Let's all uh, turn to 448, and let's all stand if you can. 448. There's a sweet and blessed story of the Christ who came from glory just to rescue me from sin and misery. Amen. Please do be seated. <clears throat> All right, get your Bibles if you would. And uh, I want to start with a verse. We've uh, been the last couple of weeks been uh, talking about the foundations for the faith. And uh, we just talked about, uh, well, we'll look at that here in a second. But uh, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the foundation of the family. And uh, I just... Uh, want to take and look at this. So Proverbs chapter 15, if you will, I guess I'll get myself there. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 5, the Bible says this, it says, A foolish, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. I'm talking about being reproved by your father, okay? He says, In the house of the righteous is much treasure. Y'all believe that? Scripture, so it better believe it, Amen. It says, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege to take and sing your praises this morning. We do pray for those who are apart from us. And Father, we, we, uh, I trust we have good families here tonight. Lord, I thank you for that. 
But Father, I just pray that you would help us as old and young alike to value the importance of family. Father, help us to see family the way that you see it. Uh, Father, help us to minister it the way that you'd have us to minister it. And uh, as much as anything, Father, we live in a world that is doing all they can to destroy the family. Father, we just pray that we wouldn't be proud, but Father, that we would be willing to stand forth as testimonies of your goodness and the promises of this proverb right here about the treasures that can be found in a good home. And Father, we love you and we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, so far we've looked in at the strategy that the devil pursues in attacking the foundations, you know, because we talked about that. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And uh, we're real good about attacking the flies and swatting at the gnats, if you will. And it seems like the devil's always hitting the foundation. He's always hitting the root. He's always hitting the things that are most vital, okay? And so it would be good for us if we know what he's attacking, rather than getting all exercised, and we do need to understand the symptoms, if you will, but we need to understand not just the, the problems and the symptoms out there, but we need to understand to reinforce the foundation and how important that it is, okay? So last week we saw that our Lord is that rock or that foundation in which all of our lives need to be built, amen? He is that rock, is he not? And uh, we talked about that, that uh, parable of the Lord's about the man who built his house on the rock and the storms came and the house stood and the one who built it on the sand and the storms came and, and he lost everything. Everything was destroyed. And so even there, it teaches the principle that, that literally God, Jesus Christ, needs to be the very core. It needs to be the very foundation of our life. It needs to be, uh, honestly, it's the first thing you ought to do in, in any decision. What would God have us to do? I'm not a big fan of what would Jesus do, but I, certainly if you have him for a foundation or for a rock, um, I don't know if any of y'all ever played sports, but if you're going to hit free throws, you better make sure you get your feet right. If you're going to hit a baseball, you better make sure that you're set. Y'all understand that? And, uh, and so really when it comes to the decisions of life, you need to say, well, am I firmly gripped? It, it, Lord, is, is our relationship right? Okay, is, is, Am I on a good, firm ground? Because we know he is the sure foundation. Uh, it's really our, if you will, um, uh, our entrusting in that foundation. Uh, not just a one-time thing, but a, a daily. How often are we supposed to pray, folks? The Bible says without ceasing. And so, if you will, the, the thing about that is, is that in a sense is, where's my feet? Where's my feet? Where's my foundation? When you're praying without ceasing, you're always going back to that foundation. And so, save people by the way, can find their lives falling apart by not being truly founded on the Lord. I'm going to say that again just so that it makes the impact I want it to. A lot of times we think a message like this, well, you're talking about lost people. No, I'm talking about saved people. Any of y'all ever have trouble uh, putting God first in a decision or in a life choice or where you're going to be and what you're going to do? And, and, and so if you will, uh, say, this, is a, this is a message for saved people here tonight, Okay. So this week we're going to look into the foundation that God has provided called the family. Now, I preach this often and teach this often that God has given us three institutions in the Bible. And I kind of want to add a fourth one. And you'll see why here in just a moment. But usually when I teach the different institutions that God has given to us, he's given us the family, he's given us the church, and he's given us the civil government. Okay, I'm going to expand on these here a little bit. But can I say this? There's another institution in our life that is probably more important than all three of those, and that's our personal relationship with our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, if you will, that personal relationship is an institution. Now, how many of you all use the word institution in a sentence three times in a day? I mean, we don't use the word institution. What, if we do say institution, what do we usually mean? Exactly. <laughs> You're going to send them to psychological care. They're going to go to an institute, okay? Well, that, uh, to be honest with you, I think uh, I was, uh, I'm working with uh, some folks on how to study the Bible, and one of the things I'm trying to teach is just how important it is to define words, okay? And uh, we can't always assume that we know what a word means, all right? So look it up in the English, look it up in the Greek if you can. And uh, by the way, these tools are abundantly available to us. By and large, they're free. 
And so we're really, we're kind of without excuse for these things. We have the ability to define what words mean. And we ought not make the word mean what we want it to mean. We ought to say, Lord, what does the word that you used mean? Not just for us, but just what does it mean? Okay, and so if you will. And so if you will, I want you to think about this, but the word institution, one of its synonyms is foundation. Okay, and so if you will, an institute is a foundation. Okay, it's a synonym of institution, and so if it's a foundation for our life to keep us stable and secure and safe. Okay, and so that's why God gives us all of these institutions. Now, how many of y'all have ever seen the graphic with the umbrellas? You guys ever seen that? And if you will, usually the umbrella is like this it's God, husband, Wife, children, meaning children, obey your parents, obey your mom, okay? Uh, wives, be in submission to your husband. Husbands, you should be in submission to the Lord. And by the way, we should all ultimately be in submission to the Lord. It was very interesting. I, w- I wanted to give that for a visual, and it's amazing how many different variations there are on those. Because uh, some say God, church, home, children. Well, can I just tell you, there's something backwards about that, okay? And we'll talk about that here as, as we look into it, okay? But if you will, uh, God has ordained four institutions. The family, which is the home, okay? The family, is w- which is the home. Help me know, what is a traditional family? What's it composed of? Verse 1. Father, mother, and children who are related to the father and the mother. Okay, both, there there you go, both father and mother. To be quite honest with you, they call that a traditional family, and the sad truth is it is not the rule anymore, it is the exception. Most of you all know that, the very few homes today have a mother and father and children who are related to them in the one home. If you have that, praise the Lord. If you don't have that, make the best of what you have, okay? But my whole point is this, is uh, it, it is becoming the exception to the rule, not the rule. It's not really a tradition, traditional family today. What do we, what do we call families today now? What do we call them? Well, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right there. Okay, yes, sir. Okay, what's the word? Well, and the word for that is blended. Okay, and so a lot of families today, they don't call them traditional families, they call them blended families, okay? And I think you all understand what those things are. And let me just say this, a blended family is doing the best that you can in a bad situation. Because ideally, what does God want? He wants mothers and fathers to stay together. How long should a marriage last? Till till death do us part. And by the way, that's not a goal, folks. That's a... (laughs) Okay, one person got it. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Um, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment. I'm committed to her until she dies, and she committed to me until she dies, and we're not rooting for each other to die. <laughs> I don't Okay, let me just take a sidetrack here for a second. I would hate the idea of having to try to find another wife. I hope she, finds, I hope she feels the same way. Not, you, you know what I mean, another husband. <laughs> Why? Because I, I, I don't want to do it again. I, I, please take this the right way. I got it right the first time. I praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. And by the way, that's by the grace of God. Now, having said that, not everybody has that. Can I just tell you this? Make the best of what you have now. Amen. Make the best of what you have now. Okay. And so, if you will, the traditional home just doesn't exist much anymore. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the home is under attack. And why is it under attack? It's one of the things that is most under attack. I think you could, you could make an argument that the home is the most under attack thing next to the individual, perhaps. Okay? And so, the other thing is church. Okay? The church is the assembly. In the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel, or, or when they assembled around the temple and the tabernacle, and... And even when they were dispersed abroad, they, they came together in places called synagogues, which is essentially the Old Testament word for church. It means the same exact thing, a called out assembly or an assembly, okay? And, uh, and so if you will, the, the family is the home, the church is the assembly, 
And then the government is the state or the nation. Now, the way I like to look at those umbrellas is kind of the opposite way, okay? I like the person holding the, the uh, handle to be the individual, okay? Now, how many of y'all uh, actually use an umbrella? I, there's a theory out there that there's only one umbrella and we just borrow it from place to place. You guys ever heard that one? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but what do you use it for? You use it to protect yourself in times of storm, okay, in, in times of storm. So it's still a perfect metaphor. And so if you will, the umbrella itself would be your connection with God, okay? And it's the individual holding it. And can I just say this? If my relationship with the Lord is right, I'm going to let you in a little secret. My relationship with my home will be right. My relationship with my church will be right. And my relationship with my nation will be right. You all understand that? And so if you will, that's the reason I, I want to talk about that foundation or that institution is that personal relationship. You know, so often we live in, in our society in, in America, we always want to give responsibility to somebody else. Well, if, if the home was right, I'd, I'd be right. Or if, or if my church was right, I'd be right. Or if, uh, that's all nonsense. Can I just say this? If your personal relationship is right, everything else will work out. Everything else will work out. Okay. And so the umbrella of authority should be, and I'm going to put it this way, what happens if you get out from under the umbrella? Well, you get rained on. And if you will, the protection that it was designed to give us is no longer there. So if you get out of sorts with God, listen to me, you're probably going to get out of sorts with your family. And parents, what is your job to do to your children? For, let's don't say two. For your children. What are parents supposed to do? Bringing them up. So that's teaching and... Nobody wants to say it. Come on now. And correction. Teaching and correction. Teaching and discipline. Teaching and chastening. Whatever you want to say. Amen? And by the way, is that what God does for us? It absolutely, okay? And so if you will, as parents, we're supposed to take and teach and chasten. Meaning, by the way, parents, how many of y'all would spank your kids for praying too much? Well, amen. <laughs> He's really giving us the other side of the story here tonight. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Uh, but I, I tell you if, you, if you, this is sad to say. But do you realize that if some homes are not right, sometimes they're not all excited if their kids are excited about the things of God. That's why you better have your hold on the, hold on the Lord. But uh, a parent, by and large, if, if the child's relationship with God is right, you're going to be okay with your family. Why? Well, you're going to probably be keeping the Ten Commandments, one of which is honor thy father and thy mother. Amen? And if you don't, then you get your discipline. And if you will not be disciplined by the family, guess what? Then the church has to step in. And that's why God gave it. Is, is church discipline a necessary thing that happens in churches? Healthy churches. Please take this the right way. A lot of churches don't discipline at all today. Can I say this? A lot of churches today don't have membership roles. And you know what their motivation for not having membership roles is? Just my opinion. They don't want to discipline. <laughs> Okay, because if you bring somebody in, then you got to hold them accountable. And then you got to do the job of the church is to make sure that you're in right relationship with the brethren. And, and if somebody's not walking right, then you confront them. And if they won't be confronted, then you say, you're out. What's that do? Folks, that turns them over to the world for the destruction of the flesh. Is that what the Bible says? And so if you will, if you won't be chastened here, guess what? I'm going to chasten you in the government. I don't know about you, but I, I read this the other day, but uh, the number of Americans that are in uh, the justice system, jail system, you know with me? The number is staggering. The number is staggering. It's, it's so big that I don't, I don't want to say it without actually referencing it. But uh, you remember what the discipline was for the Old Testament? Did you have a good day today, brother? <laughs> yeah. A, a child was to be stoned to death. 
meaning this, and I, I studied this, I don't remember if I taught it or got to it on Sunday, but if a child struck their parent, they were to be brought before the council, judged, taken outside the city, and the parent was supposed to throw the first stone until they died. Okay? Well, take this the right way. Um, how many of y'all think people obeyed their parents back then? And was that good for them ultimately? Yeah. Is church discipline pleasant? But is it necessary? Yeah. And, and to be quite honest with you, today we coddle criminals. You know why there's so much crime? You know why there's so many people in jail? Is because there is no real consequence even lazy people who don't want to work for a living get to go sit in a cell all day, have entertainment, nutrition, sit, uh, come on, all provided for them. Folks, that's not a deterrent. Amen. What does the Bible say? I, I'm, 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 I'm getting behind here a little bit, but uh, if you will, if you have a right relationship with God, then everything's going to work out. Okay? If you have a right relationship with your family, everything's going to work out. Matter of fact, I want to show that to you. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy, what is a, what is a family's job? And then I'm going to ask you to what, what the trend of the day is when it comes to the family. Okay? In Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6, look at verse 1. The Bible says, now these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments with the, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. Okay, he says, here's how I want you to behave as a nation, as an assembly, as a family. Okay, this right now is talking about the family though. What is the purpose? Verse 2, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I have commanded thee. Thou and thy, that's what I would say, and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged, what? In the land and in the blessings of God. Okay? Hear therefore for Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. He's talked to the nation now. And that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Say it with me. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto what? Thy now he's talking to the family. Y'all see that? He started out talking to the, the, the nation, the assembly, and the family. It's all right here. All right? But then it goes down all the way down to the individual. Look what it says in verse 8. The Bible says that thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them uh, upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. You know what he's saying? He's saying all these commands come down from the top. And if you will, let's uh, work with me here a little bit. Moses, the government, do this, Okay? The assembly, teach this. By the way, my job, I believe, I hope you believe, is not to discipline your children. My job is to teach parents how to be good parents. And then it's your job to teach your children. Y'all with me? Okay. And then what is the individual's job? Well, that truth, I'm going to put it right here. I'm never going to forget it. That truth's going to go right here. That, that was a good one. I'm going to remember that. Any of y'all ever remember a spanking that you hated to get when you was a kid, but it was a good lesson for you? Amen. Don't, don't want the spanking again, but glad you learned the lesson. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to be, whenever I go to my house, I'm going to remember the only way for God to bless me and to bless this house is to keep his commands and to keep his words. Do you see the umbrella? It's all right there, all of it, okay? And it's literally going from, you can either be all the way up here, the government correcting you, or you can just correct yourself, amen? And then mom and dad don't have to correct you. Matter of fact, some of you know this, and I've had this happen, you no doubt had this happen. Any of y'all ever had your kids come crying to you, confessing? 
Oh, I did this. Oh. Well, let's go get another spanking. That's not how I handled it. You know how I handled it? I said, well, did God forgive you? Yeah. Well, you want to pray or I'll be praying with you? And praise the Lord. I didn't have to spank you. God did. Y'all with me? And so, if you will, the family, if you will, is, is just that most vital of institutions uh, between the punishment that comes from ultimately God. By the way, where do we ultimately get punished if you won't be governed and if you won't be in a church and if you won't be in a family and if you won't be in a personal relationship? Where do you eventually go? Well, go to Hebrews chapter 10, please. In Matthew chapter 27, they basically said, we, we won't have Christ to rule over us. And they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. By the way, can I tell you, that might be the stupidest thing human beings ever said. Meaning what? We don't like God. We don't care what you do to our kids. By the way, is that the destruction of the home? Why? Please take this the right way. I'm not a fighter, but don't mess with Abigail, okay? Amen? Why? Because I will become a fighter. I, I have a job. Parents, you have a job. You guys, underst you guys understand? And, and so if you will, I can't imagine saying, well, I don't want to suffer for this. Punish her. Can you imagine? Let his blood be on us and on our children. And by the way, Jesus' blood will be, they will be held accountable for, both for Jesus' blood. How sad. Hebrews, you're in Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 28. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28. The Bible says, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. You might think, how harsh, how coarse, how terrible. No, how wonderful if they'd have just done it because they'd still be in the land enjoying the promises of God. Amen. Yeah, I, I love when people want to criticize, well, he was a, a bloody, angry God in the Old Testament. No, he wasn't. He was telling you how to have a successful life as an individual and as a family and as an assembly and as a nation. Amen. Keep reading. The Bible says, uh, How much more sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the grace, uh, Spirit of grace. By the way, despite means you despise it. Treat it with contempt. Okay? The Bible says, uh, for we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will, what's, a, what's that word? What do you think that means, guys? I'm, I'm going to repay it. Meaning, you get outside all that protection I provided for you, you're going to answer to me. Folks, I had to tell you, that's one of the biggest problems in our society today. And doesn't the Bible say it this way? There's no fear of God before their eyes. No fear of God. And God says, know this. You treat me with that kind of disrespect. And I gave you a conscience, personal relationship. I gave you a family, chastening from your parents. And you think, well, I hate how strict my parents were. Please take this the right way. Uh, all of us, I hope, we're doing our best motivated by true love for our God and for our children. Amen. I hope, if not, that should be confessed and repented of. Amen. The Bible says further, it says, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Read verse 31 with me, would you? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Especially when he provided you so many layers of protection. 
You see it? And God's saying, in a sense, that one of those layers of protection that we're looking at tonight is that family. And so God has ordained these institutions. God has ordained these foundations for our lives. Another way of saying foundation is landing place, stability place, safety place. You all understand that? A place of protection. Now, what can we learn, if you will? Uh, You know me, I like to use the law of first mention, okay? But what was the first thing that the devil attacked? What was the first foundational thing that the devil attacked? Somebody answer me. Give your opinion. I mean, yeah, so what did he attack? Yes, and to be honest with you, I think most of us, if not all of us, are going to say that answer. True? He attacked something first. Think about it. Verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that he was the most subtle animal in the garden. And he went and he found the woman. He divided the home. Adam's over there. Eve's over here. I'm going to take. Folks, what are we supposed to be as a husband and wife? One what? One flesh. One flesh. Now, folks, it is very hard for us to understand this sometimes, but we are two bodies, two minds, two souls. But in the marriage union, we're supposed to be one flesh. Can I tell you this? Young people sometimes try to divide the mom from the dad because they know mom's easier. I should be pointing over here. I'm at the wrong family over here. (laughs) I'm sorry, I did that on purpose. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, By the way, can I just tell you this, young people? You'll do that to your destruction. You'll do that to your destruction because it'll sow division in the home. It'll sow division between the parents and the children. Amen. And that's a tool of the devil. It was the first tool of the devil. He says, Eve's over there. I'm going to go talk to her. Okay. Just think about that. And so if you will, he says, if I can divide the home, then I can take the weaker vessel and I can confuse her. And by the way, that's what happened. The the serpent who you put in this garden deceived me. Come on. Amen? And so, if you will, uh, uh, and she, you know, in a sense, she was right. I was deceived. Okay. But uh, Adam, he wasn't. Adam walked in, and I've preached this, and you've heard me say this. Adam had to have walked into that situation and went, did you think he understood the consequences? Hey, Eve, if you'd have come talk to me, I would have told you never to eat that fruit. But he didn't. Why? Because Satan made sure she was over here. Come on. And folks, how many of us need to realize this in the home? Mom and dad need to make unified decisions. Mom and dad need to have Bible studies together. Mom and dad need to be together on things. Amen. Okay. Why? Because it's the devil trying to separate you out. Amen. I want you to think about the next attack. What was the next attack? Of course, we just said he attacked the word, and, and he did. But that was after uh, he attacked the home by separating, if you will, the wife from the husband. And by the way, it might have seemed innocent. I've, I've, I've seen families do this. I think it's a good idea. Is so-and-so will come up to you and say, uh, well, can I do this? And the first question out of their mouth should be, Let's say they talk to the mom. What should the first question be, mom? What did your dad say? What did your dad say? Because, young folks, you need to realize we're on a team. You're not dividing us. What did your dad say? Well, dad said it was okay. Well, if it's okay with dad, it's okay with me. Huh? Okay. Well, why did that happen? Well, uh, I asked, you know, I asked dad, I asked mom. And the division's there. And then you're just so, and by the way, I don't know how many of y'all realize this, but any time you get your way and it's a sinful way, you destroy yourself. You destroy yourself. Okay. It was Satan's division. 
The second thing that we see is that he sowed rivalry in the children. Look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 4. I'd like us all to stand up and take a turn here and tell us about your favorite child. Could you all do that tonight? My, um, my kids over the years have uh, every once in a while made it a point saying, oh, I'm your favorite kid. I'm your favorite child. Or so-and-so is your favorite. And I always, I always make it a point, and I hope they're listening to me. I have no favorite children. I love all of them. Now, here's how I get around this. She's, she's my favorite one at church tonight. <laughs> Lee is my favorite one in Alaska, <laughs> and so you can do stuff like that, but I, listen, I, I genuinely, now I'm not saying everybody's been fair and equal, but can I say this, it's from the bottom of my heart, I do all I can to make sure that I love all my children equally. You can't love them the same because they're not the same people, but you can love them equally, okay? And so if you will, he sowed rivalry. It's interesting to me is we don't know how many years it's been between Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, but it's been long enough that at least two sons have been born and a, a daughter because Cain had to have a wife, and it immediately talks about Cain and his wife. And it's possible that there might have been multitudes of children at this, at this point. We don't know how many children, but he just talks about these two. And they both come to worship God, okay? And so Abel comes, and he brings a lamb, and he... He brings the appropriate sacrifice, not because he's a shepherd, but because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The only sacrifice they had ever seen practiced was by God, and he slew a sheep to cover the iniquity of Adam and Eve. Amen? And, uh, and so he brought the proper sacrifice, you know, and in a sense, you know, it's implied, well done, okay? But then Cain brings the inappropriate sacrifice. Now, it doesn't say this, but what made him come up with the idea that he should bring vegetables when every other sacrifice had always been blood. Y'all with me? Yeah. Because of his work, he was trying to say, this is the work I did here. Yeah, and I think that might have been his motivation, but who do you think was whispering in his ear? Amen? Have we seen that the devil whispers in people's ear? Does he still do it? Yeah, okay. And so if you will, you know, the Bible tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 12 that if a root of bitterness gets into you, and bitterness, the best definition I have, if there's something you're upset about and you can't stop thinking about it, you're bitter. You're bitter, okay? And if, if, if you just can't get it out of your mind, if you're just sideways with God or your parents or, or something, you're bitter, and the Bible says when that happens, many are defiled. I mean, you're going to upset the family. You're going to upset yourself. You're going to destroy yourself. Amen? That's why God gives us confess, repent, and receive forgiveness. Amen? Okay? And, and so, if you will, I think about this. Um, this really was a personal matter between Cain and God. What did God say? Bring the right sacrifice. You'll be accepted. Did God handle it right? Yeah, it would be like a parent. Yeah, you did the wrong thing. But everything's okay. Just do right and everything will be all right. And his first thought wasn't to go get another sacrifice. His first thought was to go find his brother and kill him. Meaning what? Well, folks, there was a rivalry in the children. I don't know why. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. I know there was probably a lot of pressure on Cain if, when he's first born that uh, you notice that uh, when he's first born, that uh, he, uh, excuse me here, when he's first born, uh, his own mother said, this is the seed, this is the Savior, this is the one that is to come, okay? And uh, so maybe there was a lot of pressure on him. Maybe he just had had his fill. Maybe he had gotten too much of himself. Hey, I can do things my way. Why? I'm the special child. Uh, please be careful about that. Amen. Pride goeth before destruction, haughty spirit before fall. Uh, meaning, don't get too full of yourself. Okay? 
And it, it's so destruction in relationship in the home. Did the devil know what he was doing? How many of y'all think that Adam and Eve were never the same after that? Amen? Humanity was never the same after that. Amen? And so the devil, he's going to do all that he can in a, in a family to take and to separate the parents and to sow rivalry, excuse me, amongst the children. And uh, look with me, if you will, at Proverbs chapter 6. I want you to see something here. Because uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? What about the devil? What about the devil? If those were his techniques then, I wonder what his techniques are now. Proverbs chapter, what did I tell you? Proverbs chapter 6, go to verse 12. Excuse me. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 12. The Bible says this, it says, a, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Okay, you can study that for yourself, but it's talking about a bad person here, okay? A troublemaker. The Bible says, he winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Is that what the devil's trying to do in the home? By the way, just not in my notes here, but how many tools does the devil have today to give into your kid's heart? I'm, I'm not trying to be carnal here, but folks, in my generation, it was a big deal to find an old National Geographic. Hopefully you know what I mean. Folks, kids just have a phone today. You can accidentally get worse than that National Geographic ever had. And the devil's doing all he can to put bitterness and entitlement and anger into our kids. Why? Because he walks around so in discord. I guess my heart is for young people tonight, but... How many of y'all believe you deserve to have a car? Let's see, I got too many Baptist kids in here. Just for fun, sometime around March, April, May, go take a drive through the high school parking lot. When all the kids for their graduation present get their brand new car. And they'll start off with a better car than you and I have ever owned. Because they deserve it because they graduated high school. <laughs> I don't know what your philosophy was growing up, but there was no thought of me not graduating high school. <laughs> you guys understand my point? <laughs> my whole point is this, is folks, they don't owe you a job, they don't owe you a car, they don't you know what they owe you? They owe you a nurturing that points you to God. Because that's what the Bible says. Amen. But after that, maybe a work ethic's a good thing for you. And yet, my parents were so hard on me. There's another way of looking at that. My parents loved me enough to discipline me. They loved me. Wasn't fun sometimes. Amen. See, it's the devil who's wanting to sow that seed of bitterness in your heart so that you say, well, I'll just give God anything I want and make him deal with it. And God says, that's unacceptable. But if, if you would offer the right sacrifice, I'll accept you. No, I think I'd rather go destroy somebody else. You know what they're saying? I'm bitter. They're going to be bitter. I'm destroyed. They're going to be destroyed. Amen. Oh, you're so happy with your <coughs> perfect son. I'll just take him away from you. Folks, notice what it says after this in, in, um, in uh, Proverbs 6. Where did we go down to? Somebody help me. Let's go to verse 16. That's where we need to go. 
These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And see how many of these you can associate with the devil. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Are, are, we, are we in the story? And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. By the way, how do you even come up with a plan to kill your brother when, when nobody's ever died? I mean, think about it. That's a wicked imagination. Feet to be swift in running to mischief. A false witness to speaketh lies. And then last one, folks, and this is the worst one, by the way. And he that stoweth discord among, what's the Bible say? You know, a lot of times when we say that, we say the brethren like it's a sin in the church. And it is a sin in the church. But the, the point is this. It doesn't say the brethren. It says brethren. Cain and Abel. Y'all see it? See, Satan attacked the home by trying to separate mom and dad. Satan attacked the home by sowing rivalry in the children. By the way, we have that today. I, I pray, if you ever identify it, get rid of it. And then he replaced the spiritual with the superficial. What do I mean? Well, folks, what's the most important thing you can get from your parents? Come on, there's an answer. What is the most important thing you can get from your parents? Say it. Love, true. But, I mean, think about what personal benefit to your child. What's the most important thing you want to give to your children? Yeah, you can't give it to them, but that's what you want for them, right? Salvation. Well, go to Genesis chapter 6. And in verse 1, the Bible says, and the sons of men saw, excuse me, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took unto them wives. Y'all see that? Now, a lot of people... I believe, misinterpret this, and they say the sons of God are angels. A son of God is anybody who is born of God. Any sons of God here today? If any man, help me, somebody help me with the verse. Uh, come on, help me. It's in John. No, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Now are we become the sons of God? Okay. If we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we become the sons of God? You all with me? So I believe these are people who have a spiritual right relationship with God, the sons of God. The only problem is they saw the daughters of men. Okay? Folks, if you're created after the image of Adam, are you going to heaven or hell? Going to hell. If you're created in the image of Christ, are you going to heaven or hell? Going to heaven. So if you will, spiritual people who are going to heaven started picking out their wives and they said, Whoo, man. She's good looking. Folks, that is 100% of the devil. How many people, the first attraction that they have to a person is physical? Boy, she's pretty. Man, he's handsome. Well, please take this the right way. That's not what you ought to be thinking about. What was Eve to Adam? A help. Meaning, meaning, study this for yourself if you don't understand this for yourself. Eve was taken from Adam and created a help meet, a completer. And when the Bible says that God created man, he created them male and female created he them. Meaning that when he created man, he created male and female. You understand that? And for Adam to be complete once the rib was taken, he was never complete without Eve. Y'all with me? And so if you will, the Bible says the very first thing you ought to look for in a mate is not how good looking they are. I mean, my wife got lucky. You understand. <coughs> I'll probably pay for that one later. <laughs> it's humor, folks. It's humor. Just trying to make sure you're with me, okay? Um, the very first question shouldn't be, 
are all my friends going to think she's pretty? My first thought ought to be, can she complete me? Amen? And young people, you should fall in love with a soul long before you fall in love with a body. And I promise you this, if you fall in love with the soul, you're going to be happy with the body. Amen? They replaced the spiritual with the superficial because they stopped being worried about having a help meet and they became unequally yoked with unbelievers. I'm a pastor. Some of you parents have probably faced this. And one of your young people fall in love with somebody. And so what's your first in question? Well, your first concern for them was salvation, so your first concern if they're going to join is, are they saved? Oh, yeah, they, they went to church once 13 years ago. Oh, awesome. Awesome. How can two walk together except they be? And if you're arguing about what church to go to before you even say your vows, you're in trouble. Satan's already sown the seeds of discord. Amen? The very first question you ought to ask if, some, if you're interested in somebody is, I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, have you? And it shouldn't be just, well, are you saved? Well, good. By the way, I will promise you this, if they really like you, they're going to tell you you're, they're saved. <laughs> Anybody ever looked at somebody who told you they were saved and you went, Be a pastor sometimes when two people who are clearly unequally yoked come into your office. Pastor, will you marry us? Well, let me ask you some questions. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Got baptized when I was seven. I teach Sunday school, love the Lord. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? I'm a Christian. You go to church all the time? Well, I work on Sundays. By the way, sometimes you have to work on Sundays, but that's probably not the best answer to that question. You guys understand my point? Because you say, oh, but I just love them so much. You still holding on to the handle, that personal relationship? Because before you ask them to marry you, you probably ought to ask God if they're the one you should marry. Keeps you safe. Y'all see it? You should be equally yoked together. You should be saved the same. You should be separated unto God the same. Please take this the right way. You shouldn't have one set of standards and the other have another set of standards. And Mindy and I, when we got married, we had different standards, but we came from unsaved homes. We, were, we didn't get truly saved until we were married. I mean, she got married just before I got, I got excuse me. <laughs> she got saved just before and, and I got saved just after. And, um, and God's been merciful to us. But I've seen people who did the way we did and it didn't work out for them. So don't use me for an example. Use me as a trophy of God's mercy and grace. Amen. Are you serving the same? I've had to minister over families that broke up because one person got saved and wanted to serve the Lord and the other person said, not interested. I have this hanging in my wall. I don't even know who this guy is. I don't know. He wrote a book about how to be successful in life. And any of y'all remember Minuteman Appliance used to be down here. They used to have this hanging in their office. And every time I saw it, I said, I, well, I'd like to have that so that when I counsel people, I can show it to them. And if you want to look at it, you don't have to. I'll just tell you the important part. It's, it's 21 suggestions for success in life, probably. 
but it also applies to you're married. Number one on the list, number one, it says marry the right person. This one decision will determine 90% of your happiness or misery. I don't know if 90% is right, but I bet it's pretty close. I bet it's pretty close. And sometimes people take it too lightly and don't realize that the devil's doing all he can to destroy your home. And if he can destroy it before it starts, then you just made his job easier. Amen? How many of you all know this? He, he doesn't stop attacking the home, does he? We're continually having to work and grow and pray and, and, and let the Lord develop us. Amen? What is the symptoms of the attack? Well, there's divorce. Today, more people live together than are married. It used to be a problem in foreign countries. You'd say, oh, that's terrible. You have to deal with that. And today, it's, it's here in America. And sad but true, but Christians have become very comfortable with the idea. We're living in a sinful time where the churches have abandoned all these things that we're talking about. Why? Because the devil has gotten to their foundation, and I promise you it doesn't finish well. Divorce is up, and living together is up, and perversion of the family and its members is unspeakable. All because we forget how important the foundation of the family is. And I didn't go to the Bible as the next foundation on purpose because I do believe that the family is the area of attack that is most effective for Satan. We're going to talk about the word next, but I do believe the very first attack was on the home. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. I pray not only that we've been challenged here today.